Part eight of A Treatise on the True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary by Louis Marie Grignon de Montfort, translated by Frederick William Faber, D.D. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Four, particular practices of the devotion. One, external practices. Although what is essential in this devotion consists in the interior we must not fail to unite to the inward practice certain external observances hiccup portet facere et illa non omitere we must do the one yet not leave the other undone both because the outward practices well performed aid the inward ones and because they make a man remember by reminding his senses what he has done or ought to do and also because they are suitable to edify our neighbour who sees them which inward practices cannot do let no whirling then or critic sneer at this let them not say that because true devotion is in the heart we must avoid external devotion or that devotion ought to be hidden and that there may be vanity in showing it i answer with my master that men should see our good works that they may glorify our father who is in heaven not as st gregory says that we ought to perform our actions and exterior devotions to please men and to get praise that would be vanity but that we should sometimes do them before men with the view of pleasing god and glorifying him thereby without caring either for the contempt or the praise of men i will only allude briefly to some exterior practices which i do not call exterior because we do them without any interior but because they have something outward about them to distinguish them from those which are purely inward first practice those who wish to enter into this particular devotion which is not at present erected into a confraternity though that were to be wished after having as i said in the first part of this preparation for the reign of jesus christ employed twelve days at least in emptying themselves of the spirit of the world which is contrary to the spirit of jesus christ should employ three weeks in filling themselves with jesus christ by the holy virgin they should pursue the following order during the first week they should employ all their prayers and pious actions in asking for a knowledge of themselves and for contrition of their sins and they should do this in a spirit of humility for that end they can if they choose meditate on what i have said before of our inward corruption they can look upon themselves during the six days of this week as snails crawling things toads swine serpents and unclean animals or they can reflect on those three considerations of st bernard the vileness of our origin the dishonours of our present state and our ending as the food of worms they should pray our lord and the holy ghost to enlighten them and for that end they might use the ejaculation domine ut vidiam or novere me or veni sancte spiritus and they may say daily the ave Maria stella and the litany of the holy ghost during the second week they should apply themselves during all their prayers and works each day to know the blessed virgin they should ask this knowledge of the holy ghost they should read and meditate what we have said about it they should recite as in the first week the litany of the holy ghost and the ave Maria stella and in addition a rosary daily or if not a whole rosary at least a chaplet for the intention of impetrating more knowledge of mary they should apply themselves in the third week to know jesus christ they can meditate upon what we have said about him and say the prayer of st augustine which they will find in the first part of this treatise they can with the same saint repeat a hundred times a day noverum te lord that i might know thee or domine ut vidiam lord that i might see who thou art 
they shall recite as in the preceding weeks the litany of the holy ghost and the ave maristella and they shall add daily the litany of the holy name of jesus at the end of the three weeks they shall confess and communicate with the intention of giving themselves to jesus christ and the quality of slaves of love by the hands of mary after communion which they should try to make according to the method given farther on they should recite the formula of their consecration which they will find afterwards they ought to write it or have it written unless it is printed and they should sign it the same day they have made it it will be well also that on that day they should pay some tribute to jesus christ and our blessed lady either as a penance for their past unfaithfulness to the vows of their baptism or in testimony of their dependence and allegiance to the domain of jesus and mary this tribute ought to be according to the devotion and capacity of every one as a fast a mortification an alms or a candle if they had but a pin to give in homage yet gave it with a good heart it would be enough for jesus who looks only at the good will once a year at least on the same day they should renew the same consecration observing the same practices during the three weeks they might also once a month or even once a day renew what they have done by these few words tuus totus ego sum et omnia mea tua sunt i am all for thee and all i have belongs to thee o my sweet jesus by mary thy holy mother second practice they may recite every day of their life without however making any burden of it the little corona of the blessed virgin composed of three our fathers and twelve hail marys in honour of our lady's twelve privileges and grandeurs this is a very ancient practice for it has its foundation in the holy scriptures st john saw a woman crowned with twelve stars clothed with the sun and holding the moon under her feet and this woman according to the interpreters was the most holy virgin there are many ways of saying this corona well but it would be too long to enter upon them the holy ghost will teach them to those who are the most faithful to this devotion nevertheless to say it quite simply we should begin by saying dignare me laudare te virgo sacrata da mihi virtutum contra hostos tuos after that we should say the credo and then a pater with four aves and then one gloria patri then another pater four aves and one gloria patri and so on with the rest and at the end we should say the subtuum presidium third practice it is a most glorious and praiseworthy thing and very useful to those who have thus made themselves slaves of jesus and mary that they should wear as a badge of their loving slavery little iron chains blessed with the proper benediction footnote note from the french it may be thought that since the time of the venerable servant of god certain decrees of the congregation of the index have absolutely condemned this usage but whatever may be the precise extent of the prohibition intended by these decrees there seems to be nothing in them formally interdicting the using of little chains to private persons we may see at the end of colette's life of udon the remarks of that theologian justifying the pious archdeacon of everux from the criticisms of which he was the object by the occasion of his treatise le saint Esclavage de la sante virge he cites the decrees which he read in the edition of the index of 1758 and which have been repeated in the subsequent editions the words of the index are as follows prohibenter imagines numis mato in sculpta pro confraternitatibus mansi piorum matris dei italice chiavi della madre di dio 
Sodalus Contenatus, Ternitatibus Regulae, Precibenter, Confraternitatis Atemque Continuas, Distribunt Confratribus, Et Consoloribus, Brachis et Colo, Circumpoendas, Aque, Gestandas, Ut Eoseno, Beatissimi Rudini Mancipatus, Se Essi Proficiantur, Et Quorum Institutum, in Eo, Mancipatu Principui, Versatur, Domnator et Extinguntur, Societatibus, Vero, Que Ritum Alicum, Atquo Comque, Aliud ad Mancipatum, Eus Mobi, Pertinez, Atibent, Precipitur ut id statim regisiant index decreta generalis three three it is perfectly true that those external badges are not essential and a person who has embraced this devotion may very well go without them nevertheless i cannot refrain from warmly praising those who after having shaken off the shameful chains of the slavery of the devil in which original sin and perhaps actual sins had engaged them have voluntarily surrendered themselves to the glorious slavery of jesus christ and glory with st paul in being in chains for jesus chains a thousand times more glorious and precious though of iron than all the golden colours of emperors once there was nothing more infamous on earth than the cross and now that wood is the most glorious boast of christianity let us say the same of the irons of slavery there was nothing more ignominious among the ancients nothing more shameful even now among the heathen but among christians there is nothing more illustrious than the chains of jesus for they unchain us and preserve us from the infamous fetters of sin and the devil they set us at liberty and chain us to jesus and mary not by compulsion and constraint like galley slaves but by charity and love like children trahum eus invinculus charitatis i will draw them to me said god by the mouth of the prophet by the chains of love these chains are as strong as death and they are in a certain sense strongest in those who are faithful in carrying these glorious badges to their death for though death destroys their bodies in bringing them to corruption it does not destroy the chains of their slavery which being of iron do not corrupt so easily perhaps at the day of the resurrection of the body the grand last judgment these chains shall be round their bones and shall make a part of their glory and be transmuted into chains of light and splendour happy then a thousand times happy the illustrious slaves of jesus who wear their chains even to the tomb the following are the reasons for wearing these little chains first it is to remind the christian of the vows and engagements of his baptism of the perfect renewal he has made of them by his devotion and of the strict obligation under which he is to be faithful to them as the man who shapes his course more often by the senses than by pure faith easily forgets his obligation towards god unless he has some outward thing to remind him of them these little chains serve marvellously to remind the christian of the chains of sin and of the slavery of the devil from which baptism has delivered him and of the dependence on jesus which he has vowed to him in baptism and of the ratification of it which he has made by the renewal of his vows one of the reasons why so few christians think of their baptismal vows and live with as much license as if they had promised no more to god than the heathen is because they do not wear any external badge to make them remember it secondly it is to show that we are not ashamed of the servitude and slavery of jesus christ and that we renounce the slavery of the world sin and the devil thirdly it is to guarantee ourselves from the chains of sin and the devil and to be beforehand with them 
for we must wear either the change of iniquity or the change of charity and salvation vincula peccatorum aut vincula charitatis o oh, my dear brother let us break the chains of sin and of sinners of the world and of worldliness of the devil and his ministers and let us cast far from us their depressing yoke durum homus vincula errorum et projiciamus a nobis ugium ipsorum let us put our feet to use the terms of the holy ghost into his glorious irons and our neck into his collars indice pedem tuum incompedes ilius et intorques ilius colum tuum subdice humerum tuum et porto ilam et ne acerdieris vincilis eius you will remark that the holy ghost before saying these words prepares a soul for them lest it should reject his important counsel see his words adi fili et acipe concilium intellectus et ne agiptias concilia mea hearken my son and receive a counsel of understanding and reject not my counsel you would wish my very dear friend that i should here unite myself to the holy ghost to give you the same counsel with him vincula ilius alligator salutis his chains are chains of salvation as jesus christ on the cross ought to draw all things to him with their will or against it he will draw the reprobate by the chains of their sins that he may chain them like galley slaves and devils to his eternal anger and revengeful justice but he will and particularly in these latter times draw the predestinate by the chains of charity omnia trahum adme ipsum traham eus in vinculis charitatis these loving slaves of jesus christ the chained of christ vinci christi can wear their chains either on their neck or on their feet father vincent caraffa seventh general of the jesuits who died in the odour of sanctity in the year sixteen forty three used to wear a circle of iron round his feet as a mark of his servitude and said that his only pain was that he could not publicly drag a chain the mother agnes of jesus of whom we have spoken before used to wear an iron chain round her body others have worn it round their neck and pennants for the colours of pearls which they have worn in the world while others have worn it round their arms to remind themselves in their manual labours that they were slaves of jesus christ fourth practice those who undertake this holy slavery should have a very special devotion to the great mystery of the incarnation of the word on the twenty fifth of march indeed the incarnation is the proper mystery of this practice inasmuch as it was a devotion inspired by the holy ghost first to honour and imitate the ineffable dependence which god the son has been pleased to have on mary for his father's glory and our salvation which dependence particularly appears in this mystery where jesus is a captive and a slave in the bosom of the divine mary and depends upon her for all things secondly to thank god for the incomparable graces he has given mary and particularly for having chosen her to be his most holy mother which choice was made in this mystery these are the two principal ends of the slavery of jesus and mary have the goodness to observe that i generally say the slave of jesus and mary the slavery of mary and jesus i might in good truth as many have done before say the slave of mary the slavery of the holy virgin but i think it is better to say the slave of jesus and mary as mr tronson superior general of the seminary in st sulpice renowned for his rare prudence and consummate piety counseled to an ecclesiastic who consulted him on the subject the following were the reasons 
one as we are living in an age of intellectual pride and there are all round us numbers of puffed-up scholars and conceited and critical spirits who have plenty to say against the best established and most solid practices of piety it is better for us not to give them any needless occasion of criticism hence it is better for us to say the slavery of jesus and mary and to call ourselves the slaves of jesus christ rather than the slaves of mary taking the denomination of our devotion rather from its last end which is jesus christ than from the road and the means to the end which mary is though i repeat that in truth we may do either as i have done myself for example a man who goes from orleans to tours by way of embois may very well say that he is going to embois or that he is going to tours that he is a traveller to embois and a traveller to tours with this difference however that embois is but a straight road to tours and that tours only is the last end and term of his voyage two a second reason is because the principal mystery we celebrate in honour of this devotion is the mystery of the incarnation where we can only see jesus and mary and incarnate in her bosom hence it is more to the purpose to speak of the slavery of jesus and mary and of jesus residing and reigning in mary according to that beautiful prayer of so many great men o jesus living in mary come and live in us in thy spirit of sanctity etc three another reason is because this manner of speaking sets forth still more the intimate union which there is between jesus and mary they are so intimately united that the one is altogether in the other jesus is altogether in mary and mary is altogether in jesus or rather she exists no more but jesus is all alone in her and it were easier to separate the light from the sun than mary from jesus so that we might call our lord jesus of mary and our blessed lady mary of jesus the time would not permit me to stop now and explain the excellences and grandeurs of the mysteries of jesus living and reigning in mary in other words of the incarnation of the word i will content myself with saying these three words we have here the first mystery of jesus christ the most hidden the most exalted and the least known it is in this mystery that jesus in his mother's womb which is for that very reason called by the saints the cabinet of the secrets of god has in concert with mary chosen all the elect it is in this mystery that he wrought all the other mysteries of his life by the acceptance which he made of them jesus ingredients munum dicit ecevenio ut faciam voluntatum tuum consequently this mystery is an abridgment of all mysteries and contains the will and grace of all finally this mystery is the throne of the mercy of the liberality and of the glory of god it is the throne of its mercy for us because as we cannot approach jesus but by mary we can only see jesus and speak to him by her intercession jesus who always hears his dear mother always grants his grace and mercy to poor sinners adiamus ergo cum fiducie ad thronum gratiae it is the throne of his liberality for mary because while the new adam dwelt in that true terrestrial paradise he worked so many miracles in secret that neither angels nor men can comprehend them it is on this account that the saints call mary the magnificence of god magnificentia dei as if god were only magnificent in mary solemodo ibi magnificus dominus it is the throne of his glory for his father because it is in mary that jesus christ has calmed his father 
irritated against men and that he has made restitution of the glory which sin ravished from him and that by the sacrifice he made of his own will and of himself he has given him more glory than ever the sacrifices of the ancient law could do and he gives him now an infinite glory which he never could have received from man fifth practice those who adopt this slavery ought also to have a great devotion to saying the hail mary the angelical salutation few christians however enlightened know the real price merit excellence and necessity of the hail mary it was necessary for the blessed virgin to appear several times to great and enlightened saints to show them the merit of it she did so to saint dominic saint john capistron and the blessed ellen de la roche they have composed entire works on the wonders and efficacy of that prayer for converting souls they have loudly published and openly preached that salvation having begun with the hail mary the salvation of each one of us in particular is attached to that prayer they tell us that it is the prayer which made the dry and barren earth bring forth the fruit of life and that it is the prayer well said which makes the word of god germinate in our souls and bring forth jesus christ the fruit of life they tell us that the hail mary is a heavenly dew for watering the earth which is the soul to make it bring forth its fruit in season and that a soul which is not watered by that prayer bears no fruit and brings forth only thorns and brambles and is ready to be cursed listen to what our lady revealed to the blessed ellen de la roche as he has recorded it in his book on the dignity of the rosary no my son and make all others know that it is a probable and proximate sign of eternal damnation to have an aversion a lukewarmness or a negligence in saying the angelical salutation which has repaired the whole world sias enim et securi intelligas et inde late omnibus notum facias quod vilicit signum probabili est et propinquum eterne damnationes herere et acitari ac negligere salutationem angelicum totius mundi reparationem these are words at once terrible and consoling in which we should find it hard to believe if we had not that holy man for a guarantee and saint dominic before him and many great men since but we have also the experience of several ages for it has always been remarked that those who wear the outward look of reprobation like impious heretics and proud worldlings hate or despise the hail mary or the rosary heretics still learn and say the our father but not the hail mary nor the rosary that is their horror they would rather wear a serpent than a rosary the proud also although catholics have the same inclinations as their father lucifer and so have only contempt or indifference for the hail mary and look at the rosary as at a devotion which is only good for the ignorant and for those who cannot read on the contrary it is an equally universal experience that those who have otherwise great marks of predestination about them love and relish the hail mary and delight in saying it we always see the more a man is for god the more he likes that prayer this is what our lady said also to the blessed allen after the words which i have recently quoted i do not know how it is nor why but nevertheless i well know that it is true nor have i any better secret of knowing whether a person is for god than to examine if he likes to say the hail mary and the rosary i say if he likes for it may happen that a person may be under some natural inability to say it or even a supernatural one yet nevertheless he likes it always and always inspires the same liking into others o predestinate souls slaves of jesus and mary 
learn that the hail mary is the most beautiful of all prayers after the our father it is the most perfect compliment which you can make to mary because it is a compliment which the most high sent her by an archangel in order to gain her heart and it was so powerful over her heart by the secret charms of which it is so full that in spite of her profound humility she gave her consent to the incarnation of the word it is by this compliment also that you will infallibly gain her heart if you say it as you ought the hail mary well said that is with attention devotion and modesty is according to the saints the enemy of the devil which puts him to flight and the hammer which crushes him it is the sanctification of the soul the joy of angels the melody of the predestinate the canticle of the new testament the pleasure of mary and the glory of the most holy trinity the hail mary is a heavenly dew which fertilizes the soul it is the chaste and loving kiss which we give to mary it is the vermilion rose which we present to her a precious pearl we offer her a chalice of divine ambrosial nectar which we hold to her all these are comparisons of the saints i pray you urgently by the love i bear you in jesus and mary not to content yourselves with saying the little corona of the blessed virgin but a whole chaplet or even if you have the time the whole rosary every day at the moment of your death you will bless the day and hour in which you have followed my advice having thus sown in the benedictions of jesus and mary you will reap eternal benedictions in heaven qui seminat in benedictionibus de benedictionibus admitted six practice to thank god for the graces he has given to our lady those who adopt this devotion will often say the magnificat as the blessed mary de Eugenies did and many other saints it is the only prayer the only work which the holy virgin composed or rather which jesus composed in her for he spoke by her mouth it is the greatest sacrifice of praise which god ever received from a pure creature in the law of grace it is on the one hand the most humble and grateful and on the other hand the most sublime and exalted of all canticles there are in that song mysteries so great and hidden that the angels do not know them the pious and erudite gerson employed a great part of his life in composing works upon most difficult subjects and yet it was only at the close of his career and even then with trembling that he undertook to comment on the magnificat so as to crown all his other works he wrote a folio volume on it and brings forward many admirable things about that beautiful and divine canticle among other things he says that our lady often repeated it herself and especially for thanksgiving after communion the learned benzonius in explaining the same magnificat relates many miracles wrought by the virtue of it and says that the devils tremble and fly when they hear these words feci potentiam in braccio suo dispersit superbus mente cordis sui seventh practice those faithful servants of mary who adopt this devotion ought always greatly to despise to hate and to eschew the corrupted world and to make use of those practices of the contempt of the world which we have given in the first part of this treatise two particular and interior practices for those who wish to be perfect besides the external practices of the devotion which we have been describing so far and which we must not omit through negligence or contempt so far as the state and condition of each one will allow him to observe them there are some very sanctifying interior practices for those whom the holy ghost calls to high perfection 
these may be expressed in four words to do all our actions by mary with mary in mary and for mary so that we may do them all the more perfectly by jesus with jesus in jesus and for jesus one we must do our actions by mary that is to say we must obey her in all things and in all things conduct ourselves by her spirit which is the holy spirit of god those who are led by the spirit of god are the children of god qui spiritu dei adjuncture isufit fili dei those who are led by the spirit of mary are the children of mary and consequently the children of god as we have shown and among so many clients of the blessed virgin none are true or faithful but those who are led by her spirit i have said that the spirit of mary was the spirit of god because she was never led by her own spirit but always by the holy ghost who has rendered himself so completely master of her that he has become her own proper spirit it is on this account that saint ambrose says sit in singulis mariae anima ut magnificit dominum sit in singulis spiritus mariae ut exultet in deo that the soul of mary be in each of us to magnify the lord and the spirit of mary be in each of us to rejoice in god a soul is happy indeed when like the good jesuit lay brother alfonso rodriguez who died in the odour of sanctity it is all possessed and overruled by the spirit of mary a spirit meek and strong zealous and prudent humble and courageous pure and profound in order that the soul may let itself be led by mary's spirit it must first of all renounce its own spirit and its own proper lights and wills before it does anything for example it should do so before its prayer before its saying or hearing mass and before communicating because the darkness of our own spirit and the malice of our own will and operation if we follow them however good they may appear to us will put an obstacle to the spirit of mary secondly we must deliver ourselves to the spirit of mary to be moved and influenced by it in the manner she chooses we must put ourselves and leave ourselves in her virginal hands like a tool in the grasp of a workman like a lute in the hands of a skilful player we must lose ourselves and abandon ourselves to her like a stone one throws into the sea this must be done simply and in an instant by one glance of the mind by one little movement of the will or even verbally in saying for example i renounce myself i give myself to thee my dear mother we may not perhaps feel any sensible sweetness in this act of union but it is not on that account the less real it is just as if we were to say with equal sincerity though without any sensible change in ourselves what may it please god we never shall say i give myself to the devil we should not the less truly belong to the devil because we do not feel we belong to him thirdly we must from time to time both during and after the action renew the same act and offering of union the more we shall do so the more we shall be sanctified and we shall all the sooner attain to union with jesus christ which always follows necessarily on our union with mary because the spirit of mary is the spirit of jesus two we must do our actions with mary that is to say we must in all our actions regard mary as an accomplished model of every virtue and perfection which the holy ghost has formed in a pure creature for us to imitate according to our little measure we must therefore in every action consider how mary has done it or how she would have done it had she been in our place 
for that end we must examine and meditate the great virtues which she practised during her life and particularly first of all her lively faith by which she believed without hesitation the angel's word and believed it faithfully and constantly up to the foot of the cross secondly her profound humility which made her hide herself hold her peace submit to everything and put herself the last of all and thirdly her altogether divine purity which never has had and never can have its equal under heaven and so on with all her other virtues let us remember i repeat it for the second time that mary is the great and exclusive mould of god proper to make living images of god at small cost and in a little time and that a soul which has found that mould and has lost itself in it is presently changed into jesus christ whom that mould represents to the life three we must do our actions in mary thoroughly to understand this practice we must know first that our blessed lady is a true terrestrial paradise of the new adam and that the ancient paradise was but a figure of her there are then in this earthly paradise riches beauties rarities and inexplicable sweetnesses which jesus christ the new adam has left there it was in this paradise that he took his complacence for nine months worked his wonders and displayed his riches with the magnificence of god this most holy place is composed only of a virgin and immaculate earth of which the new adam was formed and on which he was nourished without any spot or stain by the operation of the holy ghost who dwelt there it is in this earthly paradise that there is the true tree of life which has borne jesus christ the fruit of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which has given light unto the world there are in this divine place trees planted by the hand of god and watered by his divine unction which have borne and daily bear fruits of a taste divine there are flower-beds enamelled with beautiful and various blossoms virtues shedding odours which embalm the very angels there are meadows green with hope impregnable towers of strength and the most enticing houses of confidence it is but the holy ghost who can make us know the hidden truth of those figures of material things there are in this place an air of perfect purity a fair sun without the shadow of the divinity a fair day without the night of the sacred humanity a continual burning furnace of love where all the iron that is cast into it is changed by excessive heat to gold there is a river of humility which springs from the earth and which dividing itself into four branches waters all that enchanted place and these are the four cardinal virtues the holy ghost by the mouth of the fathers also styles the blessed virgin the eastern gate by which the high priest jesus christ enters the world and leaves it by it he came the first time and by it he will come the second in the next place to comprehend thoroughly the practice of doing our actions in mary we must know that the holy virgin is the sanctuary of the divinity the repose of the most holy trinity the throne of god the city of god the altar of god the temple of god the world of god all these different epithets and panegyrics are most substantially true with reference to the divine marvels which the most high has wrought in mary oh what riches what glory what pleasure what happiness to be able to enter in and dwell in mary where the most high has set up the throne of his supreme glory but how difficult it is for sinners like ourselves to have the permission the capacity and the light to enter into a place so high and so holy which is guarded not by one of the cherubim like the old earthly paradise 
but by the Holy Ghost himself, who is its absolute master. He himself has said of it, Hortus conclusus, sor meo sansa, Hortus conclusus, fons signatus. Mary is shut, Mary is sealed. The miserable children of Adam and Eve, driven from the earthly paradise, cannot enter into this one except by a particular grace of the Holy Ghost, which they ought to merit. After we have obtained this illustrious grace by our fidelity, we must remain in the fair interior of Mary with complacency, repose there in peace, lean our weight there in confidence, hide ourselves there with assurance, and lose ourselves there without reserve. Thus, in that virginal bosom, one, the soul shall be nourished with the milk of grace and maternal mercy, two, it shall be delivered from its troubles, fears, and scruples, and, three, it shall be in safety against all its enemies, the world, the devil, and sin, who never have an entrance there. It is on this account that Mary says that they who work in her shall not sin. Qui operantur in me non peccabunt, that is to say, those who dwell in Mary's spirit shall fall into no considerable fault. Lastly, for the soul shall be formed in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ in it, because her bosom is, as the Holy Fathers say, the chamber of the divine sacraments, where Jesus Christ and all the elect have been formed. For, finally, we must do all our actions for Mary. As we have given ourselves up entirely to her service, it is but just to do everything for her as a servant and a slave. It is not that we can take her for the last end of our services, for that is Jesus Christ alone, but we may take her for our proximate end, our mysterious means, and our easy way to go to him. Like a good servant and slave, we must not remain idle, but, supported by her protection, we must undertake and achieve great things for this august sovereign. We must defend her privileges when they are disputed. We must stand up for her glory when it is attacked. We must entice all the world, if we can, to her service and to this true and solid devotion. We must speak and cry out against those who abuse her devotion, to outrage her son, and we must at the same time establish this veritable devotion. We must pretend to no recompense for our little services, except the honor of belonging to so sweet a queen, and the happiness of being united by her to Jesus, her son, by an indissoluble tie in time and in eternity. Glory to Jesus and Mary. Glory to Mary and Jesus. Glory to God alone. End of part eight.